Howdy! This is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Tuesday, December 5th, 2023, I wish you a very, very, very happy bathtub party day. Today's show is, as always, presented by Big Banter Sports, and we have reached December, which means one thing. Ohio State basketball may not be ranked yet, but the snow is officially falling, at least in Ohio, if that's where you're located. Maybe if you're located elsewhere, you've already received some snowfall, but if the snow is falling and Ohio State only has one loss, that means we can start to get a little bit excited about the Ohio State basketball team this season. That is true again here in 2023. I was ready to go on Monday. I was ready for the AP poll to be released. I had the graphics prepared for Twitter and for Instagram, where you should be following on both, by the way. That's at the shop pod. You can look that up right now and tap follow. And then by the time you're done with that, you'll probably be done and I'll get on with my rant here. But I had the graphics prepared. I said, surely, surely the AP poll cannot be so blind and not put Ohio State in the top 25. They're in the top 25 in Ken Palm. They're in the top 25 in the new net rankings. So surely Ohio State will be in the top 25 in the AP poll. And well, the box score watchers prevail yet again, and Ohio State is left unranked. They did, however, receive receive the 27th most points, which means they were the second team to not be ranked, essentially. So good for Ohio State on that, I guess. We will continue to bash the AP poll for as many reasons as they give. There is no lack of subject matter in that regard. It's why I don't really care about taking any AP poll numbers when talking about any teams that we talk about. It's just how it goes, and hopefully you feel the same way about the AP poll because it is irrelevant. Funny enough, though, I saw a tweet yesterday about the net rankings, and some Twitter troll tweets a reply and says, Ha, the net rankings are irrelevant because they're nowhere close to the AP poll. Keep believing what helps you sleep at night. So, As long as the numbers are next to teams' names, we are going to pay attention to the AP poll as a whole in college basketball. Doesn't mean that we have to. Ohio State is also ranked in the coaches' poll now, so that's cool. Um, Anyways, I had to just simply rant about the AP poll to start the show. Buckeyes are not ranked, and that's fine. But today's episode, we are going to preview the Buckeyes matchup with the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, the Fighting Red Hawks. Before we do that, though, I will get into some Big Ten power rankings. I, in in teaming up with Casual Big Ten, we both posted our final editions of how we expect the season standings to look. I projected Illinois would finish seventh. Still don't hate that. That's fine. I was I was hurled some insults from someone who has eighty followers on Twitter. And apparently it's just really fired up about the way the Big Ten will finish this year. Specifically about his own fighting line. That's fine. 
you can have your own opinion. But if you're getting worked up about some guy's projected rankings of the Big Ten by the end of the year, mm, I'm concerned about the other facets of your life. So if you get upset about these Big Ten power rankings, just let it be known. They're just Big Ten power rankings. They have nothing to do with actually what will happen on the floor. So there's that. After we go into Big Ten power rankings, though, we will review Miami. I'll tell you why, as I get into the Miami review, why I'm also adding Big Ten power rankings into this. And then at the end, we'll do some predictions, keys to the game, and another Banger Bets watch list. We're crushing it this year on the Banger Bets. And I've got one play that I really, really, really like this week, depending on if the line comes out the way that we want it to. So make sure you are staying tuned for that. If you haven't subscribed already, I'll just ask that you make my day and you do that. Make sure you find us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube as well. But without further ado, let's get into some Big Ten Power Rankings. Now, the traditional way probably would be to start from number one and go through to number 14. I'm not that guy. And I'm simply not that guy because I think I'd like to build the intrigue here. So let's do some Big Ten power rankings really quickly. Let me give you the criteria first before we get in there. Number one, I would say 75% of the criteria is simply what have you done so far this year? And as a part of that 75%, it's even if you haven't played a bunch of good teams, which lower teams in the Big Ten have not, that's just simply how it goes even if you haven't played a bunch of good teams did you crush the bad teams if so i will still give you credit and if you have a worse record than a team that's maybe seven and one but your three losses are much more impressive than the seven and one resume i'm gonna rank that team higher because i'm gonna give credit to teams that play close against good teams much more than crushing bad teams all season to this point the other 25 percent, i would say is what I expect them to be by the end of the year. There's some teams that I think could be a lot better than they are right now by the end of the year. There's probably one team that comes to mind for you in that regard. So that's essentially what this looks like. Let's get into it. I'm going to start with number 14. And if you know anything about me, if you listen to this show at all, you probably can guess who I'm going to take 14th. And that is your fighting Minnesota Golden Gophers. So obviously Ohio State just saw Minnesota they are horrible at taking care of the ball. They don't force a lot of turnovers on the defensive end. That's not going to add up to winning a lot of games in the Big Ten Conference this year. I give Penn State the nod over Minnesota simply because Minnesota, even though they have a better record by Penn State uh, than Penn State with one game, uh, Penn State has played better competition easily. Minnesota's really only real dress rehearsal this year before playing Ohio State was against Missouri. You lose that game at home. Minnesota 14th at 5-3. and three. Now 13th. Here are your Penn State Nittany Lions. Throughout this entire season, I expect these two teams to be at the bottom of the Big Ten. So there's that. I actually really wanted to put Penn State 12th. I won't, and I'll tell you why here in a second. But look, Penn State, 4-4. Four and four. Not great. They've lost four in a row. They've lost to Bucknell, VCU, Butler, and Texas A&M. One of those games is a fine loss. Texas A&M, Ohio State, and Penn State, both in the club there, losing to the to the Aggies so far this year. But overall, this Penn State team, completely different from last season. All the departures they've had, no assists, no three-point shooting on this version of this Penn State team. So I'm slotting them in 13th at 4-4. Four four. Number 12. 
Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. I bet if the Go Big Red community heard me saying Nebraska is ranked 12th in my, my power rankings, they would just go off. They have been rather fussy already this season about the lack of respect that they've gotten. They start the year 7-0, and they beat a bunch of teams that just straight up suck, okay? And then you finally get the chance to get put on the map, and you play Creighton, a rival. A game that you don't have to get up for because they're a rival. I would assume that they kind of consider each other rivals. And not only that, but Creighton is very good, right? So you finally get your shot, and then you mm, lose by nearly 30. So, yeah, Nebraska, I'm going to put you 12th in the Big Ten. You can go take your wins over one of the worst power conference teams in the entire nation in Oregon State and a few wins over teams like Lindenwood and Ryder and just go shove them into the trash, okay? Nebraska fans got very arrogant, got very cocky starting 7-0 when probably any other team in the Big Ten would have started 7-0 with that schedule as well. Literally, no, not even marquee wins, not even any, like, above-average wins. Nothing. You lose to Creighton, you get crushed by Creighton, and your one chance to actually impress. So you're 12. Number 11. This is tough for me because I was really high on this team heading into the season, but they have been awful so far to start the year. And that team is Maryland. They're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They just took an unimpressive loss to Indiana over the weekend. I thought they'd win that game even though they were visiting. Even though they were underdogs, I thought Maryland would win that game. But along with that loss to Indiana, it's been the theme this entire season. Unimpressive, downright disappointing. That's been the theme. They've been the most disappointing team in the Big Ten so far this season. They lost to Davidson. They lost to UAB to start the year. One loss is a fluke. Two losses is Kevin on home alone, potentially. You're not completely doomed, but you're going to have to bring out all the stops to see success. How about that for analogy? Uh, I also don't understand how you can have Jameer Young and Julian Reese on the same team and be this bad. Maryland, I'm concerned. Got him 11th. Now we're going to number 10, and number 10 is Indiana. So number one for Indiana, Khalil Ware has stepped up for the Hoosiers. He's been a huge transfer addition from Oregon this season. Outside of that, no three-point shooting. They don't take any threes in the first place. They're a bad rebounding team, especially given their size. Picking up that wind over Maryland was really huge to potentially show some legitimacy. But in their non-conference, they've been crushed by UConn, sputtered against some lesser teams. If they can de develop some kind of guard play, they'll have a shot to potentially sneak into the NCAA tournament. Right now, I've got them ranked 10th. Number 9, Rutgers. Rutgers sitting at 5-2 and two right now. They can't shoot at all. Really poor offensive team, but a really good defensive team. So they lost to Illinois. That was disappointing to start the year, but a bunch of wins over bad teams. They haven't been blowouts like some of the top teams that we'll talk about here in a second. So overall, they've been a little bit more successful than your Indianas or Maryland's in terms of they've handled bad teams a little bit better. But overall, outside of that, not a great resume. A win over Illinois would have maybe not catapulted them, but allowed them to jump a couple spots in the power rankings. I've got Rutgers at nine. Number eight, I've got Michigan. Sitting at four and four right now, I can't figure this team out, so I figure let's just put them somewhere in the middle, essentially. They've played some bigger names. They just lost to Oregon, who I wish Ohio State would have faced in the Emerald Coast Classic Championship. They lost to Texas Tech. 
They barely beat Stanford, who is on Oregon State level bad. They lost to Memphis. They lost to Long Beach State. I can't figure out this team. Sitting at 4-4, four and four, they played some big names, but an extremely inconsistent play. So I've got them at 8th right now. I can't trust this team. Number 7, I've got Iowa. Now, they're fresh off a punishment at the hands of Purdue, but so far this season, sitting at 5-2, and two, they played Creighton really tough to start the year. That was a really, really fun game. They took a loss to Oklahoma as well. Picked up a win over Seton Hall, which is fine. But Ben Cricky has been a great addition. Tony Perkins remains one of the most underrated players in the conference. I think offensively, pace-wise, this team is going to continue to score a lot of points. Defense is always going to be the question with Iowa. Can they step up and can they deliver on the defensive side of the court? Right now, I've got them seventh, and I'm pretty high on Iowa. Number six, Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern. Now, I, I very easily could have could have flipped these next two teams, but I'm going to take Northwestern here at six. They just beat Purdue, as we know. That is the best win of any team in the Big Ten, given that no one has beaten Arizona. Michigan State had a nice try, but this is the best team. Prob- this is the best win, I should say, probably in the nation right now, because, again, no one has lost to Arizona. And I think Purdue is probably the second best team in the nation right now. Don't care what the AP poll says about that. Um, so, yeah, they beat Purdue. They took a close loss to Mississippi State. It's not a lot, bad loss at all. A couple close wins to start the year. But even though on paper, the competition has been the fiercest. We saw Dayton's talent with Deron Holmes. And they played a couple other mid-majors who aren't horrible. So I'm going to give Northwestern the odds, the, the, the nod here to be in the top half of the Big Ten, especially given that they just beat Purdue. There's no reason to have them any lower. Two years in a row, by the way, for Northwestern. Number five, and this is where I could have potentially had these two teams switch, but number five, I'm going with your Ohio State University Buckeyes. So to start the year, obviously, they sputtered in a win against Oklahoma, then a close loss to Texas A&M, but since then, they've looked really good. Win over Alabama, that's really the only notable one. Unfortunately, Santa Clara not going to be an NCAA tournament team. Some people were higher on Santa Clara this year, I think because of their production last year, but they just lost too much. Right now, this Ohio State team is hitting its stride. They were up by 22 against Minnesota at one point. They only won by 10 or, yeah, won by 10, I think, or potentially eight because Minnesota had that that last second layup there. But Ohio State is looking good. Roddy Gale, Bruce Thornton in the backcourt looking very good for Ohio State. They look like a contender for a double bye in the Big Ten Tournament. Let's get to the top four. All of these four teams would receive a double bye should my power rankings end up deciding the the seeding for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Number four is Illinois. So they just handled Rutgers with ease. Really no other notable games other than their loss to Marquette. They played that game pretty tough. They were in it pretty much toward the end and and led multiple times in a kind of back and forth game in the second half. But outside of that, They've done what they need to do against bad teams. So good enough at this point in the season. Terrence Shannon Jr. averaging 20 points per game continues to ball out. No one else is averaging double digits for Illinois. So I worry about how much support Terrence Shannon Jr. can get this season. But right now, Illinois is looking pretty good. I'll rank them fourth. Number three in the Big Ten right now, I've got Michigan State. Sitting at four and three. 
The loss to James Madison, let's just call it what it is. It's not what the AP poll thinks it is. Uh, probably the best team in the Sun Melt, but they're probably going to need to win the conference to be a tournament team. That's just how it goes in the Sun Belt. So um, James Madison is still ranked, I think, outside the top 60 at least in Ken Palm. In net rankings, it's pretty similar as well. So the AP poll can rank James Madison and, and just continue to be fraudulent and casuals, and that's fine, but we won't on this show. Moving on. Loss to Duke. Duke is reeling. Just lost to Georgia Tech. Lost to Arizona. They played Arizona really close. The score, I don't think, doesn't really necessitate how the game went, but they still lost. Haven't been able to win the big games this year. They beat Butler. Butler's been better than expected, which is is good for Butler and the fight in Thad Matas and John Diebler's. But right now, I'm not sure that we can call that a good win. Other than that, Michigan State has got to start shooting the three. They've got to be um, competent offensively to to support what's been a very, very strong defense this year. And Tyson Walker simply needs some help. Looks like Jay Natkins is going to step up and be that help instead of A.J. Hogard. But we'll see what happens. I've got Michigan State three. Number two, I've got Wisconsin six and two. Just upset Marquette. Also have a win over Virginia. They've actually been a lot better offensively. Not a lot better offensively, but they've been better offensively than they have been defensively this season. And they've been way better offensively this season than last. That was the only question I had about Wisconsin. I'm kind of sold on Wisconsin already this year. If you can simply be better offensively, keeping the entire core that you have. You've got A.J. Storr in there now as well. If you can be better in offensively, they were a good defensive unit last year. You're going to be pretty good. Competitive losses to Providence and Tennessee, but they just upset Marquette, and they have one of the best wins so far this season. So I'll take Wisconsin second. That may be a little high, but whatever. It's my my power rankings, and I thumb my nose at you if you don't like it. Number one, of course, it's Purdue. Wins over Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Marquette. They just crushed Iowa after losing to Northwestern, 7-1 overall. Two of the best wins that anyone has in the conference other than Northwestern beating Purdue. It's simple. Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten. So those are my Big Ten power rankings. I'll do these every once in a while, especially in games in which Ohio State has to play teams like Miami. So you may be wondering, why all of a sudden... Am I taking in power rankings of the Big Ten when this is supposed to be a team preview episode? I'm used to just learning more about Ohio State's opponent, hearing a few banger bets, and moving on with my day. Well, here's the issue with Miami of Ohio. Number one, they're not very good. But more so than that, there is nothing anywhere, no film on Miami of Ohio. It is impossible to find. I did the best that I could to find it. In the NCAA, you have to give film to other teams. That is just sanctioned. It is a rule. But I am not in the NCAA. So no one has to give me any film. So it's hard to figure out what this team is. Luckily, we use college basketball analytics to figure out a little bit, get a better understanding of what this team looks like. So that's what we'll do. We'll give a not abbreviated, but less thorough preview of Miami. And then we'll move on. So Miami of Ohio. Max School, they're 4-3 and three this year. They're a football school. As of right now, by the way, of course, they just won the MAC championship. Uh, if you took Miami to cover in that game, like me, you made some money. So good job on us for... That's just... That's gross to bet on Miami of Ohio in football, but we did it. And, and we got some money out of it, so we'll take it. Uh, bet only for entertainment, not for income. 
Uh, Miami is number 248 in Ken Palm. They're number 243 in the newest net rankings. Uh, outside of that, most mid and low majors, I would say, won a couple games against the big boys. Not Miami. Not Miami. Not Miami. So, not only is their adjusted strength of schedule ranked 308th, according to Ken Palm, but... They have had two games this season against non-Division I opponents. One against Spalding. I've never heard of them. And one against Wilberforce. Wilberforce is in my backyard. And a previous team that I covered played Wilberforce on the Division II level. Is Wilber... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do this right now, okay? Let me just type something in really quick. Wilberforce... Um, NCAA division. I'm not even positive that they're a division two school. Where is this here? Do you mind if I, I'm I'm sorry. I could pause and I could look it up. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to, they, oh my gosh. So Wilberforce is not even a division two school. They are in the NAIA. The Mid-South of the NAIA. That is the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. I don't really know what what the NAIA really does or how it compares to... uh, Well, I know how it compares to Division I. How it compares to the rest of the divisions, I don't know. But they played an NAIA team. That doesn't even... Like, when Miami is at the end of the year... Those wins against Spalding and Wilberforce will not count if they magically want to make a run to the NIT. Like, those wins do not count. You only count Division I games. Not good for Miami. Uh, They beat Coppin State, the third worst team in Ken Palm, so you have that going for you, Miami. But overall, this team, just head coach Travis Steele apparently said, I don't want to play anyone good this year. And that would kind of make sense because, like Ohio State, this is an extremely, extremely young team. They have three seniors on the team. They have two juniors on the team. So five of the 10, sorry, five of the 15 rostered players are what what I would classify as upperclassmen, junior or higher. The 10 of 15, those are all sophomores or freshmen. They have three sophomores and they have seven freshmen on this team so this is a very young team very inexperienced team and they're going through some growing pains sitting at four and three right now and most likely going to go through some growing pains as the season progresses let's talk about their offense so far this year they're averaging 70 points per game not good 101.9 offensive rating not good 45% from the field, though, that's not necessarily bad. And 39% from three, that is really, really good. So you wonder, how can a team that shoots this well be so bad in terms of offensive output? And the answer to that question, we see Minnesota cowering in fear, hoping not to be called on in a quarter, in a corner, because the answer is turnovers. Just like Minnesota struggles with turnovers, Miami as well struggles mightily with turnovers 19 percent turnover rate this year 14 turnovers per game this team really struggles to take care of the ball a little bit different than than minnesota 
I will say I found a few minutes of Miami basketball so far this year, whereas Minnesota is more like uh, we're going to try to dribble loose balls and we're going to throw passes that we probably shouldn't. And we're especially a really, really bad ball handling team. Miami turns the ball over simply because like they will dribble the ball as if they don't understand there's a defender behind them ready to go get their cookies. So not the most skilled again in terms of just I, I don't I hate to call it basketball IQ to make it that simple, but this team does not take care of the basketball. They're also a putrid offensive rebounding team. 18.8 offensive rebounding percentage. They average less than six offensive rebounds per game. Zed Key, I'm gonna look this up too. I, I guess this is a day in which we just we decide to go look everything up while we're on the show, so you get to be a part of that. Let me look at Zed Key really quickly, and I want to go to, I'm on college basketball analytics right now. I'm going to go to last season stats, and I'm going to look at his offensive rebounding numbers and see if he had a game last year where he simply had six offensive rebounds. Okay, I see one, two, yep. So he's had, wow, He last year alone, he had two games with five offensive rebounds, he had one game with seven offensive rebounds. Seven offensive rebounds. He had 14 in the total in the game. He had another game with six offensive rebounds as well. Uh, Zed Key, essentially, can outproduce Miami's entire team on the offensive glass. Felix Akpara could as well. So, offensive rebounding-wise, really, really bad. In terms of players to be on the lookout for on the offensive side... Darwishy Hunter, 13 points per game, 58% effective field goal percentage, 40% from three. He can share the ball as well. Uh, he's really, really poor shooting at the rim, but he's mostly just a three-point marksman. Think Justin Arns from a couple years ago where we're just expecting you to shoot from behind the arc. He loves to shoot from the top of the key. You're not going to get a lot of corner threes out of him. And he's really the one rebounder on the team other than their center, Jaquel Morris, averaging five point or yeah, five rebounds per game. Just absolutely a volume shooter is what Hunter is. He's going to try to knock down shots from behind the arc. And this is going to be the player that could break the game for Miami. When you are playing against a team like Ohio State and you're Miami, you're looking to mount a 20-point upset, something like that. One thing you need is you need your guy to be on. And if Hunter is on, if he can hit some threes, if he can hit five threes in a game, he could make this game kind of interesting. A couple other players that I'll mention... This is a really good three-point shooting team. I've talked about their turnovers. I've talked about their offensive rebounding. But this team can shoot from deep. And, and the chief among them is Evan Epsero. I believe I'm pronouncing that last name right. Could 100% be wrong, though. Big-time shooter. 47% from three. He doesn't get nearly as much as Hunter does. But he's another guy who will fire away again from the top of the key. He stays away from the corner, though. So... A lot of the production for Miami in this one is going to come at the top of the key, inside the wings, at the three-point line. That's what you can expect from Miami. Those are the two guys who you can really expect to score. And if either one of these guys can get hot, I'm going to be concerned about Ohio State having the ability to step on the gas and crush a team like Miami. One player offensively that I will mention, Bryson Boltman, he's averaging eight points per game. Let him shoot from anywhere. His shooting zones are brutal across the board behind the arc inside the three-point line in the paint at the rim mid-range corner threes 
It doesn't matter. This guy is shooting really, really poorly. So be on the lookout for Bryson Boltman. Let's just see. Is he going to go 4 of 13 from the field? Only one way to find out. Let's go to defense for Miami. So they are averaging 70.5 points per game against. Now you remember, hopefully you remember, how many points per game are they scoring offensively? 70. How many points are they giving up? 70.5. So that margin right now, not going to lead you to win many games, especially when you're only scoring 70 points per game offensively. They've got 102.6 defensive rating. That's actually pretty good. 43% field goal percent field goal percentage against is fine and 31% from three that's really good so you take that so overall if you're looking at offensively defensively kind of similar to Minnesota in that offensively you don't really trust them if there's one unit you feel like you can trust it's defense however there are some more abysmal numbers when it comes to defense number one we've already talked about it horrible defensive rebounding team this is just a bad rebounding team in general and when we get to the banger bets, I'm going to give you a couple other tidbits as to why. But first of all, there is no size on this team. Bunch of freshmen who are, from what I saw, they don't weigh a lot. They're skinnier. They're lean. They're wiry frames. It's hard to box someone out when when you have that going for you already. You're undersized both in height and weight and, and density. So that doesn't go well for them. But their 65.3 defensive rebounding rate is abysmal. It's at least better than their offensive rebounding numbers, but it's still not good at all. But they're also giving up pretty high shooting metrics when it comes to the advanced numbers, 52% true shooting percentage, but Miami does not give up a lot of points in the paint or second chance points. So if Ohio State is going to be successful offensively in this game, they're going to need to be successful from deep. They've been really good shooting the three, I think in four of the past five games or five of the past six games, one of those two. So if Ohio State can continue that, they're not going to have any issues with Miami. One player I'll mention defensively, Jaquel Morris. Incredible numbers in terms of blocks for the minutes that he plays. He's no Felix Akpara, but he's averaging 1.7 blocks per game. He also averages three fouls per game, though. So not efficient with the fouls. So that's a player in the paint who's been really, really good at protecting the paint this year, protecting the rim. We'll see if he gets into foul trouble. So let's get into some predictions, keys to the game. But first... I got to talk about college basketball analytics at cbbanalytics.com. College basketball analytics is what I use to build every show. It's what Ohio State uses to build every game plan and scouting report and self-scouting report as they go on throughout the season. I've even used college basketball analytics as I've recorded right now on this show. You have the best database for the most advanced stats and analytics so that you can know the game better than anyone else and... You can get a month free using the code SHOT. That's S-C-H-O-T-T, SHOT, S-C-H-O-T-T. Use that code to get an entire month free so you can take it for a test drive and make sure that you like it. CBBanalytics.com. That's College Basketball Analytics. You can follow them on Twitter as well. Okay. So predictions for this game. Before we get into that, I'm going to go keys to the game here and... I, I just decided one thing Ohio State can do in a game against a team like Miami is put together some stretch goals. One of those stretch goals could be, for example, go plus 15 on the glass. Like, go out-rebound re Miami 40-25. to 25. This is a horrible offensive rebounding team. This is a horrible defensive rebounding team. 
both offensive and def- defensive rebounding percentages are 11th percentile or worse in all of college basketball. There's no reason when you have young men like Zed Key and Felix Akpara and Jamison Battle and Roddy Gale, there's no reason you can't go out and go plus 15 on the glass. So if I'm Chris Holtman, I'm seeing a very, very clear weakness to exploit. And I'm saying, hey, guys, let's go plus 15 on the glass. Stretch goal, but let's see if you can do it. Another thing Ohio State is going to need to make sure they do is stop the threes. We mentioned already, Miami's shooting 40% from behind the arc this year. They've got two really, really skilled marksmen, but they've got several players who, even if they don't get a lot of volume of shots up, they're still hitting them at a high rate. So in a game in which I don't really think it's a trap game, I don't think you're looking ahead to Penn State and going to Penn State on a weekend, I don't think you're necessarily looking ahead to that, but... This is a team that you should win, that you're going to be favored by 20 points or more by. You need to make sure that you're not allowing Miami to have any reason to be in this game by the time it's five minutes left or or 15 minutes left in the second half. One way you can do that, stop the threes. That's their main source of, of offensive income. Last thing I'll say, use your extra possessions. What I mean by that is essentially, look, Miami is another team, like we said, that struggles to take care of the ball. 19% turnover rate is very similar to Minnesota. The only issue that Minnesota uh, didn't deal with, that Miami will, is Minnesota at least has some players who can play Big Ten ball. Miami does not. So with that in mind and with that turnover rate, Ohio State's going to have the chance to get out and score offensively. They're going to have the chance to get out and score and probably put this game to bed pretty quickly. So use those extra possessions to your advantage, score in transition, score points off turnovers, and you're going to be just fine in this one. Okay, let's wrap it up here. I've got a couple banger bets on the watch list right now. No lines out yet as of recording, but when those come out, we'll be sure to to have anything banger bet-wise published for you. Make sure you're following at the shop pod on Twitter. I usually will allow you to get the first banger bet if you simply like a tweet and ask for it. I'll DM it to you, so be on the lookout for that. Number one, something we're always on the lookout for is the spread and the team props, totals, things like that. Right now, I think Ohio State should dominate. I'll probably take this line up to about 21 and a half, but I have a feeling that it's going to open up around 23, 24, 25 and a half even, potentially. Now, Miami is ranked higher than a few Ohio State opponents they've already handled with ease, but Ken Palm-wise, net rating-wise, for some reason, the computers like Miami. I haven't checked to see what Miami's record is against the spread this year. I would assume they have a couple games this year where there hasn't even been a spread because they played teams like Wilberforce, but... We're going to keep an eye on this one just to see what the number opens at, and we will we'll hammer it if it's 21 and a half. Anything over that, I'll feel a little bit nervous about it, but Miami can't rebound. They're not a very good defensive team, and they, they don't take care of the ball. Those three things, they travel when you're playing away, when you're, when you're visiting a team like Ohio State. When you don't have those three things, makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about taking Ohio State on the spread. So we'll just see what the number is. Bruce Lurton points. He's on fire right now. If we can get 16.5 points at plus money again, like we did against Minnesota, we will take it and we will thank the books. On to the next one. Felix Akpara rebounds. This is the one that I love. Like I've said, Miami, one of the worst rebounding teams in the nation, and that has not stopped in the past few games. It's not like they've gotten better rebounding in the past couple games. 
and they're trending in the right direction. They've stayed bad all season. Felix Akpara has been hot in the past two games, while Zedki has not. So as long as that trend continues, and as long as Akpara gets the minutes, he's going to be really good rebounding this game. He's had seven or more rebounds in each of the past five games. He's had a couple games where he's had well over seven rebounds, and he's going up against a team that's extremely undersized. One player getting minutes is 6'8". The rest are 6'5 or shorter. So you've got Jaquel Morris, who stands at 6'8". The rest are going to be towered upon by Felix Akpara. He's going to have three inches on essentially everyone. So whatever the rebound number is, we're probably going to take it. So final thoughts on this matchup for Ohio State. This is one of the first games this season I can see Ohio State winning by 30 points or more. I saw it against Merrimack. They handled them pretty easily. However, I think Merrimack made made a, a minor comeback in that one. Let me see. Actually, here we go again. I'm just going to go on college basketball analytics, and I'm just going to check the score real quick because I'm actually curious about this. So let's see here. Against Merrimack, they won 76-52. to 52. That's a 24-point win. I do believe that they covered. And, yeah, as I see here on a, on a score differential, uh, yeah, Merrimack kind of closed in toward the end. But that was really the only game this season where I was like, yeah, Ohio State could legitimately win by 30 points. Miami is a team I'm not impressed by, even though they're ranked higher than Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Merrimack, some other teams Ohio State has faced. Nothing against Miami. But this is a young team. They don't do the little things that help you win. And that's rebound, that's take care of the ball, and that's play defense. When you can't do those three things, it's hard for me to believe in you, especially traveling to a team like Ohio State that is hitting its stride right now. So, I think Ohio State wins this game pretty easily. This should be a game that they're up by 15 points at least at halftime, and they swim on home with a 20, 25-point, 35-point blowout win. Maybe not 35, we'll see. So I hope you feel prepared for Ohio State to take on Miami on Wednesday. I also hope that you feel more enlightened by my Big Ten Power Rankings. If you hated them, then make sure you you tell me in the comments of the tweet that publishes our, our episodes or just DM me and flame me there because that's even better. Just go in private and, and hurt my feelings. That's, that's super kind. Um, by the way, if you haven't already, subscribe, of course. But if you don't mind liking the tweet that posts the Apple and the Spotify links, that would be great. Get it out to more people. I would appreciate that so that we can grow our community. But we're going to look forward to Ohio State taking on Miami on Wednesday evening. That game on Big Ten Plus, by the way. Joey Lane will be on the call, friend of the show. Joey did a great job in his first game calling college basketball, by the way. Very tough to do. Very tough to do when it's live. So shout out to Joey Lane on his first performance. Looking forward to game two that he will take. But for now, I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.